country united. It's 330 million of us. Imagine of us. Imagine us united. The power of that. If you if you just keep telling something that is more powerful than you that it's your enemy, mm-hmm. it's gonna believe that, and then it's gonna treat you accordingly. All right, welcome back to the Hunger for Knowledge podcast. Thanks for uh, checking back in with us. I hope you liked last last week's episode. Um, thought we had a really good conversation. It lasted a pretty long time. It was it, it was a good conversation though. And uh you know, tonight we wanted to really get into uh something that we often talk about and that's just the idea that in this world there's so many different divisions of people and and not even just people, um just division in general, uh one one thing that I I often think about that uh, sometimes I think is lost on some people is just the idea that you know for something like uh, the difference between species or something we don't really think about the fact that we really look out for this species more so than others, but that's an absolute truth. You know, and it's something that we really can't uh, help but to do. Uh, but, uh, Rob, what 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 kinds of things do you see? What what do you think is one of the biggest uh, dividers of people? I think currently one big one for me is obviously politics. I mean, I think that is at this point right now we have a group of people that are in office that obviously are hated by a certain group and i just never seen such division in in politics and last after election you know a lot of times the election happens and then it kind of subsides and it feels like it's just gotten if anything's gotten worse it's, (laughs) it's interesting times Absolutely. Definitely interesting times. And I think every passing day, or we should we say every passing tweet that goes through, we just uh, get more divided. And I, the thing about, I think is funny is I often find myself that I could easily, I think of, when I think of something that the president says or something with politics, I always think of it in two different ways. I think of it from a conspiracy standpoint, and then I think of it, of if you don't believe in conspiracy like yeah. from the two different points and then it's like i could justify arguments either way yeah so there's there's truths in in each in each argument but the problem is we can't it, we're we're on such opposite sides of it we can't ever admit maybe there's some truth in one side or the other you know yeah. And it's such divisionary. It's, it's, it's I mean, I, I went on Twitter and for, I don't know, I had Twitter. I didn't use Twitter for years. And then I made the mistake. I went on Twitter and Trump said something and I started reading stuff. And then you start reading them, people arguing. And it's just, it, I I had to turn, I can't, do, I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> it's disturbing. It's uh, disturbing. Yeah. It is weird to see just how divided people can be on a single concept. Uh, I think that that's 
kind of what politics is, though. You know, it's about putting people on a pole. Or uh, the polarity. The, uh, you know, are you this or that? It's that box I always talk about. Yeah. Even to the point where, you know, only really think about it in terms of Republicans and Democrats. Yeah. As if there aren't other uh, political factions involved. Yeah. It's a poll, though. It's it's about making a choice between, um, you know, are you going to be on our side or are you going to be on their side? And that, yeah, that seems to be uh, a common, it's a common thing amongst people. You know, we like to pick sides. We like to pick a side and absolutely believe that the side that we picked is the right one. What's funny is, um, like, like I said, with the box thing, putting people in boxes, I hate that. And it, you told me to, if you asked me to give you a definition of a libertarian or, a, or any of the particular, whatever you want to say, I honestly couldn't even tell you because I never even looked into it, never even thought about it. Cause I never even wanted to be ju- put into whatever category. Cause I just believe in what I believe in, and I just want the truth. I don't care. And it'll be nice to have uh, uh, my friend Jesse on, uh, because I really haven't ever really listened to um, what the libertarian perspective is. Yeah. And he's very enthusiastic about trying to spread that. And okay, I think it'll be interesting to actually. Um, sit and really talk to somebody who professes that. Yeah, and, you know, he's he's really about it. He, he really wants to see it become a far more prominent thing in uh, in the world. Well, at least in the United States. But. Yeah, I I just I hear a lot of people. It seems like it's like kind of popular now. Um, when I listen to a lot of people talk and they say they're libertarian or they feel like they're libertarian. But I mean, to me, I I don't even, when they say that to me, I don't even ask because I don't even want to kind of, in a weird way, I don't want to know. I don't want to like make myself think about it. And then now I'm thinking, okay, this person only believes in this, you know, in like a strange messed up way. Like, I don't even really want to know. Just Tell me what you believe in or, or if we're talking about something. Just be honest about whatever we're talking about. Who cares what you believe in? I mean, I, and it come, I think the most hated thing I have is division, the divide and conquer that we have. And a lot of it is not just politics, but I mean, religion. I mean, we have it in everything. Sports, you know, you grow up believing like if you're an eagles fan you hate the cowboys right it's yeah, division it's, it's the same it's the same politics it's, it's, yeah it's the it's what comes along with making a choice and you know supporting it yeah supporting that that idea to the point where it's where it's like with you know around here i know how you eagles fans get <laughs> right I'm sorry. I, I was happy to see you know i was, I was happy to see the eagles win the super bowl but I was like, the entire time, I was like, they're going to destroy that place. Like, I was like, they're going to destroy that place because, you know, with the Eagles fan, it's 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 kind of like the most extreme 
of American sports. Yeah. The Eagles fan. Like, anytime you have to have a court at the, yeah, at right. the stadium right. in jail, that's, I mean, that's that's a different level. But really, I mean, that doesn't compare to something like uh, soccer no. clubs over in Europe and stuff. That doesn't. I was thinking that doesn't about even that. compare. They have P. You ever see that movie Green Street Hooligans? No, but I remember you talking about it before. Oh man, that I, I'll never forget that movie because I didn't think anything like that was possible. But they had like gangs of people traveling with these clubs to different places and meeting up and just like just a melee, just a just just a throwdown. And I was like, man, this is over a game. It made me rethink how like Eagles fans are, are looked at because it may seem extreme to you, but like people get killed other places over sports. Yeah, but we threw snowballs at Santa Claus. Yeah, that's, I'm just. That's pretty, I mean, that's pretty, pretty gangster. Right that's there. pretty bad. That's, that's pretty a, bad. That's a gangster move. But <laughs> we'll listen, never live not, that down. Anytime that there's the ability to choose something, there's always the ability to. Since you find some sort of, when you have that certain resonance, you can back something kind of blindly. You know, you you don't even have to, you don't have to consider that you might be wrong. That's really what I found with religion. If you get behind something so much and it becomes a part of your core, uh, you don't necessarily have to think about whether or not you're right or wrong anymore. So even like from a criminal standpoint, or, you know, even when you talk about those hooligans, you know, they may not, they they probably don't think there's anything wrong with that. Because they're like, I'm behind this club, and this club means so much to me that I know I'm not wrong for being in the street with a baseball bat about to smash some dude because he lives somewhere else and supports a different club. They're blinded by, like, fandom, you know? Yeah. And that's like, when you're an Eagles fan, it doesn't matter how good, like, the other Eagles quarterback is, right? Tony Romo. Oh, he's terrible. We find all the bad bad things he does. Mm-hmm. And, but the honest truth of it is, if you had Tony Romo on the Eagles first in the, in the early 2000s or the mid-2000s when they had the really good defenses – might have had a chance to win a Super Bowl. He probably he just he was a better quarterback, but you couldn't have a, be an Eagles fan and say that no. because, or even though it's true, you, you you just can't say that. Even though I just said it, but growing up an Eagles fan, I had like a secret group of Cowboys that I always loved. Oh yeah, like I always loved Emmitt Smith. I always loved Michael Irvin. I always loved Deion Sanders. Like I always loved them. Deion Sanders is one of my favorite football players ever. Yeah. And it was like there was a time where I was like, oh, well, he's a cowboy. It's like, I don't care. It's Dion. Like, yeah. I love Dion. But I love Dion after he left Dallas. I love Dion the entire time. <laughs> Before he was in Dallas. Dion to, me, <laughs> Dion to me is definitely one of the greatest athletes oh, I ever saw. Oh, 100%. Uh, Several, did you watch him when he played baseball? Yeah, I, I saw some of that. I didn't see as much of it, but I saw him. You know, just in, I, you know, like, he played basketball. Like, he was, like, a person who could do anything. Like, he, you know, he was, had world-class speed. Like, 
this person could do anything. I mean, any anybody that can go to be that accomplished, obviously accomplished in bas- in football, but to be accomplished enough to make it to the major leagues. And I think he played in a World Series with Atlanta. I'm not positive, but I think he did. And to be a viable player on a team in two different sports, like Michael Jordan, right? He went, but he never made it to the major leagues. Yeah. You know? says <laughs> That says that's like an incredible thing. <laughs> This is going to sound like an extreme stretch right now. But even this topic with people like Deion Sanders and people like personally, like one of my favorite athletes, Bo Jackson. Oh, I love Bo Jackson. Even that shows you how division works. Division works in a way where people, they were weird. Like Deion and Bo were weird because they didn't choose something yeah. like you know they they were like okay i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do this yeah and people were like well you can't do that it's like yes you can you don't have to choose yeah you don't always have to choose a side and that's what people forget sometimes i heard a guy say one time he said um balance is not a side and that's just the absolute truth there's nothing you can't even contest that right this is the thing that's just true. Like, balance isn't a side. Balance is somewhere in the middle. Because then, how do they talk about it? They said, well, why you want to ride the fence for? Why you want to... Pretty much what they're asking is, why do you want to remain balanced? Yeah. Why do you want to be able... Why do you want to be in a place of neutrality where you can see the good and bad of both sides of something? Mm-hmm. Which is actually probably the smartest place to be in life. To be able to see the worth in something and also see its negative parts. Think about it from an audio standpoint. What's the best way to listen to your stereo? Is when it's perfectly balanced, right? The more left or right is no good. Yeah, I mean, that's just... just, It's like simple, you know, simple simple way to look at it. It's simple. It's so simple that I think it's lost on a lot of people. You know, your, your entire life becomes this thing of unbalanced... And it works its way into every facet of your life. Yeah. Now, you know, for even something as simple as uh, cars, the cars that a person drives, I don't, I don't drive them Nissans or, you know, what, you know, I, yeah. I only drive Fords. And, but you, you've gotten to this place where you're literally, you literally don't, want to see the other side of something just because of your own prejudices. Uh, I have German cars. I've always had Volkswagen and Audis. Yeah. I don't like American cars. I mean, and it's it's kind of, it's just kind of how I I don't know somebody would look at I that, don't know. Somebody would look at that and be like, "Look at it, it's an American. You don't even want the American but cars." <laughs> when I got to go mow lawn all the time and drive the and take my my lawnmower to you know an hour and a half away to mow lawn. I drive a Chevy truck, oh, so because that's man's work, right? Well, there. You know, <laughs> I mean, I can't haul it with my Audi. It yeah. would be a little weird if I held. <laughs> but but the the you know when it comes is it what's weird though? Like when you think of trucks, you know, obviously you can't get a Volkswagen truck or an Audi truck, but you know it's okay. Well. Ford and Chevy, right? That's it, you know? And all the other trucks are whatever. If you ever look at, really, the limitations that people set for themselves, it's always has something to do 
with the prejudices that they have that they can't check. Because without those prejudices, you can learn to grow into those spaces. Like, you don't have to um, shy away from them as much. And I think that that's important for the growth of a person. But when you have this person, uh, a human being is such a divided thing. Mm. You're so divided. You've been given so many different attributes um, where there is an opposite somewhere. And in your attempt to, you know, you don't want to feel like something's wrong with you, that that creates this supremacy. Yeah. I think that that's where any kind of supremacy, I think there's a, there's a, there's a certain type of sexual supremacy where... Um, definitely in the you know we come from a place where men have dominated this culture for yes. a really long time to the point where um, I think that that had a real psychological effect on women mm-hmm. I always say that something like a high heel is ultimately uh, proof of a man like a man's dominance mm-hmm because like who can who would if a person brought a heel to me was like try to walk in that I'd be like no right. look at that thing why <laughs> how am I gonna walk in that what it, it's feet don't work like that and then to watch a person strap that thing on their foot and walk around not even just like take a couple steps but to walk around for like a day or a night in this thing that's at like a forty five degree angle. Like that, everybody kind of knows that it's all, it's there for show. It's, it's kind it's cosmetic. It's to make your leg look a certain way and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't see, you know, I, I just don't see if it was flipped around, men, men wouldn't do, wouldn't go to that length to look, uh, a certain way. Yeah. And you know, that's just the culture we come from. We come from a particular culture that teaches us partic- like a particular set of um, prejudices. Well, it's, you know, when you're you're born, have any preconceived ideas of anything. You don't know anything. No. And as you Blank grow slate. up, so it's kind of crazy if you think about a person that's completely opposite of their family. So how does that happen, right? Because most people grow up, you know, and learning from their parents. Mm-hmm. So what in that person was different that made them think as they were growing up that said, no, nah, I don't believe in that. You know, they grew up in a, you know, a, a racist family or something and, and didn't, you know, from the beginning just didn't believe in that. Mm-hmm. Like what, what was it that changed them? You know, I think it has to be the environments that you find yourself in because the information that you come along in life is actually the stuff that ends up freeing you at mm-hmm. some point in time if you let it. Well, if you come from a place where people are racist and then you like meet some people from a different, you know, race, it that that experience in itself, you know, if you meet somebody who you like or somebody yeah. who you have to humanize then that, you know, that puts you in a place that's completely different than somebody who's never been in that situation. 
Yeah. I grew up talking to a lot of kids whose parents had really never had conversations with like black people. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to watch. In uh, it was interesting to watch somebody who kind of openly like it was known that they didn't really like black people or other people, but to watch them accept me was interesting because it made me see something about the nature of prejudice that mm-hmm. it's really about uh, a ignorance it's about just you just don't know about something and it's easier to distance yourself from something that you don't know uh, before you actually try to bring it in and, and, and humanize it I, I grew up um, when I was younger, until I was, I think, I don't know what grade I moved to New Holland, but I think I was like, you know, first grade maybe. And, you know, where I lived, there there was all white families. And when we when we moved to New Holland, there was, um, there was young, there was young, of course, kids all over the neighborhood. And there was uh, the Jacksons, and they were the they were a black family that lived in the neighborhood. And of course, the, the in New Holland at that time, there was the only one, only black family that lived there. But I became friends with them, and we played. You know, all we did not like nowadays where my kids don't leave the house during summer. We played outside, you know, from sunrise till sunset. That's all we did. You know, whatever it was, I don't know. But like, I wonder how my life would be different if I didn't. You know, we like I would be we'd be at their house wintertime, you know, and you're upstairs and, and I remember I'm a little older, we played like Atari, you know, and Nintendo and stuff like yeah. that, you know. But we listened to like the music I was listening to. I imagine like I think about the different I probably never would have started listening to like like uh, I can't remember but like K R S one and like 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 people like rappers yeah. and stuff. I would have ended up growing up that period of my life would have been completely different. Been completely different. And what a what a kind of different of a person I would have been later in life, you know? If Karen's one and the person who has uh has a he's had a profound effect on my life. Yeah. Um you know, when I really started listening to him, I I kinda caught KRS late, like after he was like a big thing. Mm-hmm. And but so much of what he said resonated with me, and when I started rapping, I I started I I remember I would like write a verse, and then like the question I would ask myself is like would I say this rhyme in front of Karis one? Mm-hmm. That was how I would test every single thing that I wrote. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just, and it's funny because it can affect all kinds of people. It didn't just affect black people. Mm-hmm. KRS One said things that I thought affected everyone because he understood the truth that humanity is really just one divided family of people. He understood that core fact, and when you can, when you know that, it it it's it's inclusive of everyone. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something that I absolutely put into my music a feeling of unity as opposed to that we're all these these divided people. Mm-hmm. And I've watched how, in reality, 
people don't always, you know, people don't want to hear unity. No. It would be a lot easier for me as a rapper to talk about what seemed to be what everybody is talking about at the time. And then try to, you know, get big or something like that. Like, yeah, that's, I think that's a really easy thing. When you tell the truth, or your version of the truth, I guess. You know, at the end of the day, I make music to try to bring people together. Yeah. And when you do that, it's a it's it's, it's a slow process. It's a slow. That's actually something KRS One taught me that it's a slower process when you are trying to say something more significant because. Everybody might be looking for the song that they're going to play in the club, but not everybody is looking for the song that's going to try to uplift your spirit. Mm-hmm. And but I don't, you know, that's that's the music I make. I figure that stuff is attached to my name. I would never want to say something wild and ridiculous and have it come back to me in reality just because I was trying to act like I was something I wasn't. Well, you sell your soul a little, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're. Well, humans are weird, right? It's the car crash thing. I mean, they stop, and if the car crash is on the other side of the street, the traffic's still backed up, right? Three miles, because we got to stop and see what happened. It's just like, let's keep moving. Let's not worry about what's going on, but it's just not, that's not it's in not humans. It's not he- how humans work. People feel like they need to take in ridiculous amounts of information. Yeah. I mean, even... Even the name of this podcast alludes to the idea that, you know, you 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 eventually get like a hunger for knowledge. Well, some people do. Yeah. You get this hunger for knowledge. You want to take in as much information as possible. I think that happens because people feel really that lost. Like, there's, like you just don't know what's going on here. And the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, we, we, we live in a... A very extreme situation. Just earlier, I was talking to my wife about how I imagine inside of people's bodies, you know, the bacteria and the the different things that live inside of your body. I was just thinking, how do you know that, you know, we think about big... uh, in, in the sense of the things we can see and the things we can touch and the, like the places we can visit, you know, that's how we think of something being big or of normal size. Mm-hmm. But I always think with bacteria and stuff, how do you know that they don't think that that's big, like, and that that's their reality? Mm-hmm. How do you, they may be? living lives that are as intricate as your life but you wouldn't be able to see that from observing them from a space where they can't see you Mm -hmm. i don't think that what's inside of your body knows that it's inside of you just as i don't think that i don't think the earth like, I don't think the Earth really notices people the way that they think. Okay. The Earth is this... I, I, I always believe that the Earth is a living thing. Okay. 
I've always believed that. I figure, how can you call yourself alive and not call what you live on and what gives you life alive? This doesn't make sense. Okay. It's, to me, it's a higher form of life. It exists in the vacuum of space, flying, <laughs> flying around on orbits. Like I think that's kind of like Mother Nature, right? Is kind of alive. Is is what I would say. What I consider like the Earth is. What part of the Earth is alive? Is Mother Nature? I think. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm not saying. I know that what right. you mean. No, that nature is definitely a part of it. But I feel like the entire thing, literally the thing that floats in the vacuum of space mm-hmm. and survives. Mm-hmm. Remember, you go out in space, it's over. Right. This thing survives in the vacuum of space for billions of years. And it's, this is just one planet. Right. So when they talk about, is there life in the universe? I'm always like, there's planets and you see them. That's life. That's something. That just because... You can't, um, just because you can't see that it is a, a, a form of life and exists, it has a beginning, it has an end, just because you can't see that doesn't mean that that planet isn't alive. Mm-hmm. Or or who even knows if, like, the sun is, a, is alive. I always, I mean, to say that there's not life other than here is just crazy to me. I mean, in a whole universe, in a whole galaxy, a whole there's just nothing anywhere alive. I mean, that's just that just doesn't even. I actually told I used to tell people that I thought that, that was the most insane thought that a person could ever have. It's very narrow-minded. How insane would you have to be to look up at the stars and believe that it was full of nothing? That experience life. Yeah. That is so preposterous. How do you, how, how do you, I just don't even know how you get to that thing. It would take a a supreme amount of egotism Mm -hmm. and uh, supremacy from the standpoint of humans. Humans believe that they're the best thing that ever happened to the universe. We're just like, we're, we're the best. We Look at us. We make cars and we have iPads. Maybe that's why we think there's no way. Some people think there's no way. Well, that's kind of what you're saying is there's no way there's aliens. There's because we're, that's we're it. the top thing. We're the thing that the universe. We're top of the food chain. To create yeah. When it's whenever the Big Bang happened, mm-hmm. it was all supposed to lead to us. And look at this. We haven't even been on this planet long. You know, there's so many things that have been here longer, like sharks. Right. And certain types of, like, reptiles. Things we haven't even discovered. Things in the bottom of the ocean that you don't even know exist. Yeah. They've been here so much longer than we have, but we somehow still, like, in our story, the universe conspired to create us because the universe needed our greatness or, or whatever ridiculous thing. That doesn't even make sense. But we still feel like that. And that leads to, you know, what I've heard people refer to as speciesism. Or we care about humans and don't care about, uh, as KRS one said, a, a cow on a meat hook. You know, we don't care. We don't really treat 
that cow the way that you treat a person. Yeah. And that leads to a world of a world of abuse. We're not even ready to confront that in the world, how much abuse we've given to animals and even the plant life. Yeah. Because we act like that's not real either or it's not it's not alive. Like, for me, it's with the mother nature and the pollution, you know, and it's like at some point I'm like, listen, mother nature is only going to take so much. And it's not, it has not, this has nothing to do with climate change or anything like that. But when you're, when you're dropping nuclear reactors that are falling into the ocean and we have no clue how that will affect anything 20 years from now, 10 years from now. But we just think, oh, it's not a, you know, nobody talks about it. It's not a big deal. Or or whatever other kind of pollution happens of, you know, ocean liners with the oil in them. And they, you know, it leaks everywhere. And, and, and China's pollution, China's pollution has been bad for so long. Nobody even, we just don't know what that'll do. We think we do. We have scientists that say we'll do this. But really, in reality, how many times does scientists... Um, do testing and then 20 years later they come up with a better test and it's a completely different result you know and you got fish with like 16 heads now and you know, <laughs> different species because they floated and they touched a nuclear reactor that's in the bottom of an ocean hey the only silver lining in all the pollution is maybe from all the nuclear waste and stuff that's how we'll make superheroes uh, yeah maybe. maybe maybe that's the way that it happens like People, like, there'll be, like, a, a mass extinction of people from some who knows. And then, like, superheroes will start popping up. People will be able to fly and stuff. And it'll be because we poison the, uh, the water we drink. I, I Well, I just think that, well, like, when you come to, like, apocalypse things, like, one thing I think about that is, well, all the nuclear plants in the world, they just shut down. We're screwed. You know, like nobody's running those. Nobody's taking care of those. Nobody's maintaining those. Yeah. If there's like that kind of situation happens, well, they just all melt down. Then what? Anybody that's left is is done. I mean, it's it, it, it's going to be hard. That's going to be a hard scenario to happen. I, I guess. I don't think that. I, it, I think it'll be a hard scenario to uh, have a. Like a world ender, some sort of disease or some sort of disaster that would break the entire infrastructure of the planet. Yeah. Because they've put in a lot of time and effort into uh, somewhat unifying the world. That's the, um, that's what I think is like the other side of the coin. For like uh, when conspiracy theorists talk about things like se- like secret societies and the people who put together uh, society and, and things. So the, you don't the, think the, a Nibiru is coming for us? No, uh, Nibiru. Yeah, is that what that is? Nibiru, Planet, Planet, Planet X, X or whatever. Yeah, Nibiru. Planet yeah. X. No, I I don't I I don't believe any end of the world scenario because I. At the end of the day, I've seen, even in the 31 years that I've been alive, I can't count how many times the world was supposed to end. Yeah. People are always coming up with a reason why the end of the world is next Tuesday or 
a couple of years down the road and that day comes, the day goes. I no, if it, if it's gonna happen, like if there's a catastrophe, there's gonna be out of the blue. It's not gonna be anything anybody predicts. Yeah, the catastrophe can yeah. happen, but remember that catastrophe would have to affect the entire like the entire planet in right. order for a situation to happen where we have civilizational fail. Right. These people, whoever crafted this, they were trying to prevent civilizational fail in their own kinds of ways. They made us uh, they, they they said, "Okay, well, we're not just going to be in America. We're going to be in Asia, we're mm-hmm. going to be in parts of Africa and we're going to be like they went everywhere around the world and tried to sustain a certain type of life. Mm-hmm. Which to me, depending on how you look at it, is a very admirable type of concept. Because you, when you when you look at history and you look at empires and you look at how they rise and how they fall, um, you realize that what usually happens is that they... Something happens to like the main place mm-hmm. and then the whole thing crumbles so i guess in theory if you make an entire if, if you have every if you have the same thing basically happening in different places on every continent then it keeps a certain structure even if something even if a part of that gets annihilated or you know uh <laughs> it gets hit by a comet or mm-hmm. something you know so i I see that, you know, they they put a lot of time and effort into trying to maintain this thing. So, end of the world, to me, is really just about, like, the end of the way people do things. Mm-hmm. It's not really about this situation that destroys the world. That And, of course, that thing can happen. Right, right. Of course that thing, but it hasn't really happened in a long time. Not to say you know, not to say that anybody knows the hour that it could happen, right? But I just I feel like this this is one of the most resilient civilizations that's ever probably existed. I know that that you know we have a technology behind this thing that we're by far more more prepared than any other civilization yeah. to deal with those kind of things. Yeah, you we're know? far more prepared. It yeah. would take a lot to destroy the global economy right and the glo- like the way that things are in order now the problem with that is that on a subconscious level I think there's a lot of people who really do want this thing to end who, who, you know they they say yes they put a lot of things in place to make sure it doesn't end and now we're stuck with it for we don't even know how long well, I think uh, the they, right? Yeah, yeah, the they. So it's just like anything else. There's a, so there's factions in the they that believe different things. You know, maybe it started out as one thing, but they now branched off. You know, and maybe the they have died off, and now there's other factions that come in and say, "I want to do it this way. I want to do it that way." And then I think that's part of why the reason we see a lot of chaos now, like a lot of different things going on, and it's chaotic across the planet, because we may be getting to the point where there's so many different ways they want to do it, they can't come together. 
you know, and I think that could be part of that. And that all of that stuff factors into we're divided in so many different places that we don't, we have to have chaos because it's people of differing ideologies going to war over what they want the world to be. Mm. So now you get the religious part of that. And then you get the political part of that. You get the racial dynamic. You get um, even the sexual part of it, like the you know the the apparent fight between men and women. Yeah, you know, which that's, is that's, that's a weird one. That's that's, that's a really strange. That one. one's heightened right now. Yeah, yeah and that's it's, a that's it's a big really one right now. Right? It's it's heightened now, but that's that's a war that I didn't know really existed, and then. Like, like one day you like just getting like oh um on some level like men are supposed to hate women and vice versa yeah well i there's mean there's a subtle war between who who who's dominant in the world yeah well i think when you have a group of people when it comes to women that just have had been treated a certain way it's going to balance out the other way, it has right? To happen. It was too imbalanced, right? Before men were men were just doing whatever they wanted, right? And it was too imbalanced, so now so now the recoil, yes. is 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 just as violent, right? Because you know, women were being women were being attacked from like every angle possible. It, which is a really strange phenomenon. Because right? mm-hmm. you you think, like, you would want somebody to respect your mom. Right. You know, but instead, they found themselves, definitely the people, like, within the last, like, two, three hundred years, and, and I'm sure far before that, they found themselves in a world where women were just to be openly disrespected whenever, as if they didn't matter and that's that's a really weird philosophy i think it's weird to me because i i value women and i've learned a great deal from women well i i've raised three daughters and obviously changes your perspective it's it gives you a different perspective of of I always felt like I've had a respect for women, but it gives you a different perspective when you raise daughters, a different, uh, different way of thinking. And I can't, I can't even put it like a time period on where I was just like, kind of like certain things click in you and you're like, yeah, this is definitely a messed up way and a way of, of things happening. And, you know, my son, my daughters now are older and they're growing up and it's, it's a different world than my wife grew up in, you know, and it's a, it's a different way of doing things and it's like those myths that i always think um that we grew up in when when our parents were older of like women stayed at home that kind of stuff you know the men went out to work all that kind of stuff where those that that generation is dying out Mm -hmm. and that idea of that is dying out you know sometimes out of necessity a lot of times out of necessity nowadays but it's still not even a, a thought really that's another thing that that's a, a divider that people don't think about, and that's time. Time is a very, like, it's very divisive because something that you, the things that you think about in this time are not things that your great great grandparents were ever right. thinking about. Right. 
let alone even your grandparents. And sometimes, and, and in this time, it's not going to be long before children's heads are going to be filled with things that are inconceivable for people who are older, mm-hmm. probably at younger ages, mm-hmm. because the way that the technology works, like nobody yeah. even knows, like you don't even know what kind of technology they'll be in five years. So it's like we were talking about what roll down windows in cars, right? Yeah, roll down windows, like, like things like that. My kids, some of my kids know it, and my older kids know it, and then my There's fifteen year old, like, don't know about she's me. like, "What is this? Yeah. I don't, I have no clue what that is. How do I put the window down?" Time separates people in the sense that there's prevailing thoughts at certain times. And people think that that is the people think that the truth of their time is like the truth of forever. Mm-hmm. And as time goes on, um, people's ignorance is things they get exposed by time and by investigation. So the things that we even talk about now, somebody in like two hundred years might be like. <laughs> Like these guys just didn't. If you come across our stuff, two hundred years from now, look, we were just doing what what we had. We were doing. We we were we were doing it to the best of our ability. We really didn't know what was going on. If you pay attention to the world that we live in, it shows that we don't we we don't know what's going. Trying to forward think, but we had trying to figure things out. Yeah, we don't understand. We got to do. He's the president. He's a reality television star. Yeah, we live in really strange times. But that's like that recoil thing you're talking about, right? Like people want change, so we don't go for we don't go for the medium change. We go for like the extreme, extreme, like beyond extreme. We're group extremism. Yes, is written into our culture. We're extremists. That's the only reason why we 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 pick sides the way we do and get behind, you know, and have like fanaticism over football teams and why we have religious fervor and you know why we have um kind of like I don't know necessarily know if it's militarized, but like the the, the war between sexes is is a very uh a very real thing so you know we we're extremists we're, we're kind of programmed we're programmed to be extreme we, yeah we, i think ultimately you know when the conspiracy theorist mind jumps in it says of course you're an extremist because an extremist is an easily controlled person yes it's a, it, it, that it's a social construct it's it's you're extreme so that you can be marketed to easier well that plays into being the with the negative with the with the news and not having the positivity out there because the positivity is a lot of times isn't that extreme. No, positivity is an extreme. You want to see the fire. You want to see the the brim and firestone and all that kind of stuff because it's usually extreme. You know, when you it's much more uh, marketable to play a video of a cop shooting an unarmed yeah. black man because it's going to create emotions in two different sides of mm-hmm. a situation and that is the most marketable thing in the world. Yeah. Division is the most marketable thing. It's it's just 
unity is not it doesn't work like that if you hear a story on the news then and, and everybody has to smile about it you ever notice how when they do things like about good things that happen it's like this short little time on the news yeah they'll give it like 30 seconds yeah it's like yeah and this guy he saved this little girl's life but nobody really cares about that meanwhile in chicago this cop shot somebody in the back. Well, but, we're going to talk about this for the next four But years. isn't it crazy, though? Like, they'll talk about the cop shooting the guy in the back, but they don't talk about the gun, the violence that goes on in Chicago every day. Nobody will talk about the violence. Um, when, when I was just over at Jesse's, we were just talking, and uh, he was talking about Chicago. Cause, uh, I don't know. There's just, there's like this whole, like, thing. I've even heard it on podcasts and stuff. Like, there's this whole... The other day I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and he was like, he was like, why, why is this going on? Why yeah, is this I was, I was listening to that too. Um, I forget who he was talking to. Uh, it was, talking it to, was Tony Rock. Was that who? Was I think that, it was, was Tony. I think it was Tony. Rock. I'm not positive. I think he talks. I mean, oh, I think Doug Stanhope. That's who he was talking to on the one I was listening to. Oh. Uh, I, I listened to the Tony Rock one too. Yeah. Um, but the, but he was saying like why is this happening? I say it's quite easy. This isn't this is not a this is not a complicated situation. Yeah. This is what poverty does. Poverty is happening. Mm-hmm. You've impoverished people, and impoverishment is definitely one of the greatest dividers of men. Absolutely. The the class and that that is a it's one of the most evident dividers of people in society because anybody who's known what it's like to have a certain, certain amounts of money and then to have significantly more or significantly less, you know that that's almost kind of like living in different worlds. Like once you have a certain amount of money, it opens you up to a certain life and a certain existence. When you start having you start having enough money to broaden your horizons mm. and things, but you know there's some people in a lot of cities you know who've never been past a certain street, right? right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then, yeah. And, and that's that. What if that's all you know? If, if 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 you know your neighborhood and that's all you know, um, it's easy to fall into the trappings of that. It's extremely easy. I think people don't look at Chicago like it is an, an economical problem. Like it's, mm-hmm. People don't think it's about economics, but it's absolutely about economics. And it's it's an extreme uh, example of something that happens so so much in so many American cities, and not just, and of course, not just American cities, but Everywhere in the world, mm-hmm. when you have impoverishment, you are going to create a a situation that promotes death and a certain level of destruction. And I think that, that just as long as you have that, as long as as long as we have this situation where we feel like we need a world of people who are predominantly impoverished yeah we're going to continue to have this it's, it, it, 
and so many other problems will span out of it. And then, you know, people start paying attention to those things. Well, where are they getting these guns at in Chicago? How, why does everybody have a gun and all that stuff? Those, 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 that's the sugar coating. The real situation is, is why in the world do we still feel the need to have impoverished people in the world as mm-hmm. if it does anything good for the world at all? You have, I mean, I can't speak to, to Chicago, but when I go to Baltimore, I mean, you, you have, I mean, poverty just is rampant there. And I mean, the infrastructure of Baltimore, if you're a company and you want to you want to bring business to Baltimore. I mean, the infrastructure is a problem. The you know, the 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 housing's a problem. So there's, I mean, there's just not a, there's not a lot of jobs. There's what, what are you supposed to do? The cost of living in Baltimore it's it's a, it's actually it's pretty astonishing. The cost of living in Baltimore, even though you the I can't imagine what the average income is Baltimore, but the cost of living is probably higher than it is here. Like the I have a you know the house I live in would cost probably not twice, but it would probably cost five six hundred dollars a month more there than mm-hmm. it cost here. Mm-hmm. And but yet the cost or the average income is probably far less. I would get you know yeah. absolutely far less. Uh, so it's it's how do you get both? How do you get higher cost of living with no jobs? It doesn't even make sense. It's just it's doomed to fail. Maybe maybe the point of it is you you're gonna create a situation where criminality is because sometimes I feel like they want that. Oh, I do too. Absolutely, I feel like they want this place because it's an easy like. It's almost kind of like a ground, like a like a garden for a harvesting site for like prison. It's like okay, we're gonna make these places. They're gonna be extremely impoverished, and when these people start to do criminal things, then we'll collect them, make the money off of them that we need, release them with the. With the reality that actually they'll probably be coming back. Yeah. So, I mean, when I look at, I remember there was this one time I was driving Norristown. I was just driving around, and like in reality, like it brought a tear to my eye because I was like, I see, like I felt like I had a real clarity mm-hmm. of what I was like. So this is what's going on here. They're really just making this place. Where the worst parts of people kind of get bred into people. Mm -hmm. And the the sad part of it is is that to me, I've, you know, being in, in, I guess what people would call hood areas, some of the, some of the greatest times I've ever had have been in those places. Mm Mm-hmm. It's beautiful people, and people actually need each other. It's not like this type of situation, like, where, you know, I know how it can be, like, when you live in a place like this. Like, my parents, when they moved to, like, this 6,000-square-feet house when I was, like, 13 or something. And I lived there probably until I was 20-something, and 
I don't really remember any conversations that I had with any of the people who I called my neighbors. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember ever really even talking to them or anything. And it's like, I lived there for a pretty long time, like 10, 15 years, you know? Yeah. And so the sense of community yeah. in the hood is something that, I mean, I there was a time in my life where I was just, I was just completely, I just wanted to be there all the time mm-hmm. because people would look at you and, and, and you, you know, there was a sense of camaraderie, you know, a sense of brotherhood that I could never get living in Ecuador. I've never felt at home in this place, like ever. So there was just different vibe to it. And it just really hurt me in that moment, I remember when I was looking at it. It hurt me to know that this was actually a place that was designed to keep people down. Engineered. It's it's it, it, it that it was just an engine. It, it hurt me that there was people who like knew what it would be, mm-hmm. who who continue to know what goes on in every city. I mean, a perfect example. You know, in Baltimore last year, they the schools are in such I mean terrible shape. No heat, all these things. Instead of passing a, a bill to improve the school systems, they in change in in turn passed a bill to build a new prison. Yeah. You know, I mean like uh, it's just so blatant. Like what, what like are they you're doing? Trying, like you trying to make these people throw away and that's not there's no way of explaining that besides we we can make a lot of money. Yeah, no, I. That's the only way that they could explain themselves. I creating and, and facilitating a situation like that. I think the they that we always talk about puts a price on everybody below them. They have a number on everybody's head. They say they don't look at us as people. They look at us as dollar signs. And how much, how much can we we make off of this person yeah. or these group of people or this area of people, and and that's that's disturbing. I mean, it's and that just breeds just insane situations. Uh, that would have been something uh, good to talk to Mike about. Yeah, Mike, Mike will tell us. He, he, he'll let you know that he's like, look, yeah. I remember one time Mike was telling me that he believed that uh, everybody was like owned by the Catholic Church mm-hmm. through this really like strange like way it had to do with like placentas and like like uh, like it had to do with like your like you were almost like you were born dead or something Mm -hmm. and it it was really out there but in this world anytime anybody tries to figure out what's going on here i can't blame them i can't blame you for you know you might know something i don't know Uh, you know me more me and mike talk more I, i realize we don't always agree in the in the way things are getting done, but we kind of agree of what's happening, you know. And yeah. I, I think the process is where everybody kind of has their own way of of how things get done and who's doing whatever you believe's going on or mm-hmm. whatever. 
I just the, when it comes to Baltimore, I just it's it's it, there's such corruption in that system, and such just people not caring for what goes on there. I don't get ups. I don't like tear up when I go there. I get angry. Mm-hmm. It, it pisses me off. Like I I just. And sometimes I don't even know what order's been had to deal with, like, the justice system there. And they just don't care. They don't care about the people that are there to be convicted. They don't care about the people the, the people that are the victims. They don't, they don't care. They're there to collect their money. They don't give two craps about what goes on. And they're there to collect their money and then go drive their judges. The judges are driving off to whatever, you know, suburban city they live in and collecting their paycheck. They just don't care. The fact that they even call this thing justice system is like one of those, like how people say, like some things are like Orwellian, like yeah, like like nineteen eighty four, like like one of those, like this is the justice system when in fact it's more or less like an injustice system. Mm -hmm. Like it's just it's a system meant to keep injustice intact. I don't know. It's just the system. The way it works is to the point now where the innocent are no longer no longer protected mm-hmm. right you know we, the police are supposed to protect us they're supposed to work for the public like the politicians are supposed to work for the public we're not we're supposed to be their bosses and it is something is nowhere anywhere is that the case yeah Nowhere do you ever see that. They're giving tickets out at the end of the month so they can meet their quotas. They're they're arresting people so they can meet their quotas. You know, and there's quotas put on us. It's insane to me that it's it's now we're at the point where it's that backwards that I can only see when we're talking about that recoil. There's only, you know, there may be a recoil at some point and it's going to go exactly. the other way. Yeah. And that's the only thing that can happen. That's all that imbalance can ever do. All imbalance can ever do is create another imbalance. Yeah. And it takes so long for those. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, you know, like them balls that they, you know, like, like you'll see on like a psychologist. I forget what they're called. You know, all the things that ping back and forth. Go back and forth. Yeah. Like, that. like it's creating an imbalance. And it takes a long time to balance mm-hmm. that imbalance. The same thing is happening in, in in society. We have a lot of we have we just have so many different things in society that kind of just go unchecked, and nobody seems to be willing to have. Well, it's not that nobody does, but the the powerful don't seem to want to have conversations that are actually meaningful right like the like the idea of uh things of like a religious nature nobody stops well not nobody but people don't usually stop to think if like is it like is is it likely that like something like christianity is real like because when you start to like ask that question now you have to start to relate that to the to to the world you live in and your actual experience, and in the world that we live in, people don't come back from the dead, and don't they? You can't 
You can't kill a thousand people with a jawbone of a donkey. You can't eat a fruit and curse the whole humanity. Like, mm-hmm. There's all these fantastical things in it, but they don't go... They Well, they go unchecked by large segments of the population. They just like, oh, well, I don't think about those things. Sort of in the same way that they do with things like uh, from the from the racial standpoint, nobody's really ready to have the real talk of like how do how do you, how do you begin to even remedy something that has such a long history? I think that's but where religion I think causes a problem is by allowing you to believe those fallacies. Right, it it allows you to not not be able to um you allow things you let things go easier you know it's like i call it the meme world right we don't on social media we don't ever do research we just find a meme and we put it out there you know it's just we allow it to happen it doesn't matter we don't for some reason we don't care if it, it it's actually true you just want to seem right in the moment. Yeah, and, and we have allowed ourselves to get to this point where nobody ever wants to look into things. Nobody ever wants to actually actually care enough to make an argument that actually makes sense. Because a lot of times when they start looking into something, they realize that their argument doesn't make sense. At least, yeah, to make a point sometimes takes research and research takes time yeah. that people have less and less of it's true every day it's true less and less that's why you know sometimes people be like man like it seemed like that last year flew by and stuff like yeah no nah, man you were living the, the you know the, the, the earth didn't speed up around the sun that's not what happened what happened is, is your reality has been is Put in a time warp because you live on other people's time. Mm-hmm. You, you, it's an accelerated situation. You know when you can slow things down and actually remember the things that you did. You know that's a different kind of life than I think that the average American experiences. They just kind of fly through this this job created world where. Your time is, you don't have time to 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 kind of sit and reflect on <coughs> people's reality. Yeah. I think when you have a life where there's no bumps in the road, it it, it actually hurts you. It actually actually becomes a problem, you yeah. know, because those bumps in the road kind of helps you take reflect sometimes. And reflect on the positive and the and the and the uh, bad, and helps you kind of move forward and and hopefully become a, a better person. But the bumps in the road are, are important when you're just going along and there's no bumps in the road and like you said, time's just flying by. You're not thinking about the next thing you know. You know your kids are in college and your life is halfway over. Yeah, and it's like what that see that's the thing that. I think what's always the scariest thing to me in the world is that when the people who are doing what is supposed to be the responsible thing, their lives are zipping by them. 
mm-hmm. and they don't have, you know, like you said, you know, you wake up one day, all your best days have gone, have passed you by, mm-hmm. and it's, and and now you're you're on the downside of things, and you don't really even sometimes know who you are. You just kind of you you when you ask who. <laughs> kind of like when people ask uh, you know what you do or something uh, it's like I I work a certain place but that's very little actually yeah. who I am like if, if you're going to judge me off of the fact that like I have a particular job you would miss the entire point about me well I, that's that's kind of one of those myths kind of like embedded in our DNA like we that's like it's like a talking point when you're socializing, right? Yeah. What do you what you know? How what you doing? You, do? you know, how was work this week? Which how is really was... a question of like how much money? Do yeah. You have? Right. Right. It ends up being it's that a subtle question. Yes. Like, hey, so how much are you worth? What class are you? Can right. I? Am I? Can I? Are you similar class to me? Can we? <laughs> can we have? Can we coexist right. because we have certain amounts of similar amounts of money? You're putting you in that box. Yeah. <laughs> it's like man, like I, I. Anytime anybody's ever asked me what I do, I, I, I can't ever remember having a good conversation out I don't even answer. I'm just kind of like stuff. I, I mean, I, I just you know, I don't really, I don't ever give good answers just because I don't really care to answer what it. What do I do? Uh, I do a lot of things. But I mean, what is what do I mostly make money from? Some stuff that you probably would look at. And laugh yeah, at. exactly. That's pretty much me. It's, you know, it's been my... <laughs> you laugh at it and stuff, and then you get to judge me and make this entire ver- like you get to make this theory about me based on something as arbitrary as a job, which can change for anyone tomorrow. Well, think think about it like. So somebody asked me, you know, I have conversations. Somebody asked me, well, what do you do, whatever. And, you know, I don't really get into it. But if they ask me and I talk about Bitcoin, people think I'm crazy. Okay. And because mm-hmm. it's, it's such, you know, it's this crazy thing. But 10 years from now, if it goes to zero, whatever. But if it doesn't and it's it's now mainstream, people will be like, Oh, you know, those same people will be hey, think well, of you a completely different yeah. way all of a sudden. Yeah, I'll be asking you yeah. advice and stuff. Yeah, they, exactly. I'll be their first, first phone call. Yeah. They want me to, how you do this? I'll be like, sorry, I don't got time for you. That's, that's <laughs> what I mean. Like, like I tell, when, I, when, I, when I'm feeling like uh, somewhat marginalized, uh, I think because I've never really had like a steady career I've always felt yeah. marginalized in my family, so because they're like, "Well, what is he?" You know, and I'm a lot of different things, but nothing completely. You know what I mean? So sometimes I like to. Sometimes I'll be thinking about it. And I'll be like, "Well, I think realistically, the reason why they never really gave up on me is because they have this subtle inclination that someday it might all work out." They don't know how that's going to happen, yeah. but they check my energy and they check my direction. And usually, I'd say, I don't, I mean, there's a, there's a whole lot of people who have a lot more money than me who have far worse of an outlook on life, mm-hmm. who feel like pretty much that their life is almost over and that they have no more growth. 
Me, I'm a continuously growing person. Mm-hmm. So, on some level, on some subconscious level, they have to pick up on that. They have to pick up on the fact that I haven't been beaten by life. And that I, so I always say, like, maybe they just keep me around for that day, you know, when, uh, when it all kind of comes together and they get to see what the mess that is my life. But that, that's what, the, but that's what they consider success. Yeah, it's so funny. You know, people have their idea of what they want you to be in their head. They're like, "Oh, well, you could be this, and you should be that." Right. But what I experienced a lot in my life was once you say, "I'm not those people. I'm not mm-hmm. the people who you fantasize me to be." Once you do that, you certain people will kind of write you off. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be like, oh, well, you, you know, maybe maybe it's threatening. Maybe it's threatening to, uh, to people to have a certain control over life because you can have a steady job, you can have a steady career and feel like you have very little control over your life. Well, I think, like, especially when it comes to the church community, it's you are a reflection of your parents. Uh, yeah, you know, you I, know? Grew up, I grew up with a lot of that. So know? if you are, you know, not doing quote unquote what everybody thinks is is a respectable job or whatever you want to say, now all of a sudden some that reflects on your parents. You know, and I think like I dealt with a like I feel like I dealt with that when I was younger. But the funny thing is, to me, it's always been like it would almost seem like culturally it's very Christianly to person who has a substantial amount of money mm-hmm. but it's like that's so completely opposite of the stuff that jesus was talking about i that always gave me mixed signals when i was a christian i was like wait so are you supposed to get money but, yeah. or not i right. don't i don't get this like and, and of course what wins out is the culture the culture wins out and say, of course you have to get money this is the game the game right. is the game here is get as much money as possible that's the main game going on here uh, and the the division part of it as much as i think it's politics overall like time it's it's always economical to me yeah i think that's the biggest one economics divide people in the sense of some people are important and some people are not important yeah and that as the one that stands the test of time it stands the test of time because it's it 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 will always divide people you will always like i remember one time my mom said something along the lines of like she i don't know if she said she read it in the bible i don't know but she said, like, said something about how there will always be poor people and things like that. I say like, that that doesn't have to be right. That doesn't. I've I've certainly seen a world in my head where that doesn't exist. So you can't I, tell me that it's not possible. I think if if you made that statement and you said there's always poor people that cho- there's a difference between choosing to be poor, not choosing to be poor, but some people choose to be homeless, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter how matter how hard we could help them. It's it's something they choose to do, right? I see what you mean. Yeah. You know, from that perspective. But there's no reason that if there's somebody that is homeless that wants help that should not get it. 100% and it, you know, I'm sh- there's very few of the homeless that would I wish would 
I would hope, that would choose to live that style, lifestyle. But I'm sure there's a small percentage that do. And the other percentage that are homeless that don't want it, there's no reason in, in a nation that is, you know, spending $700 billion on military expense should ever have one person that is homeless that doesn't want to be homeless. I mean, you don't have to even be a genius. Uh, you don't even have to necessarily even be what what people would call good to, like, to, to, to remedy that. Right. The Nazis ran uh, an entire program to end homelessness in Germany. I mean... That's somebody you're looking at. People, some of the most vilified people in our cultural history, and these people still had the the vision to say, "Hey, it doesn't really make sense to have people without places to live just out in the street." Yeah, that's an easy one. Well, <laughs> you know what? You know where the Volkswagen Bug came from? No, well, uh, the Volkswagen Bug actually Hitler wanted that. Because he wanted the people to have a cheap economical car that was cheap on gas and all that kind of stuff. So, like, he, like even from that mentality, he's thinking, now he's thinking for a certain race, obviously, but he's thinking for that thinking group for of people. people. He's still being, he's still being humanitarian, even yeah. if you couldn't see the humanity in other people. Yeah. He still had enough, and maybe, and I don't want to just chalk it all up to him, but... The Nazis in general, of course they did horrible things. Right. But just because you do horrible things doesn't mean that you can't do wonderful things. Right. And that's the, I think that that's the number one thing that really divides people. Um, the idea of you always want to make a good and a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You always want, it, it, you've been watching movies your whole life. So right, right. You think life works like that. Always a good and a bad. There's guy. always this dude who's good and this dude who's bad, and that's why, like in the in, in the time of like the Me Too movement and things, I think I'm hoping that that's what is learned at the end of all this. Mm-hmm. Is the idea that a person can be remarkably gifted and extremely talented, and they can have their demons, and that is actually the story of all of us. The story of all of us is that we all have a shadow. We all have a part of us that we don't always put on display to the world because uh, we may find shame in in, in some of those things. And that is, I think, just a human experience. I think, you know, in this time, we we see, uh, I saw the guy... Did a Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, James the director. Did the, the yeah, director. I saw that. So he, they uh, they fired him for tweets that they knew they they knew he did before they hired him. I didn't I didn't see the tweets. I just saw that he got fired. He made them tweets like ten years ago. Oh yeah, and because and, and that was before they even hired him. So it was okay when he did the last two movies. Yeah, but it was not okay this is... now, Yeah, but it's not okay now. They said, well, we, we, we need to fire him. I, I understand that people should come to justice or whatever with, with, you know, if you do something wrong, if you break the law, you should have to pay the price. Yeah. Um, 
Like but, you serve your time. Yeah, it's like I just feel like when you when you create a scenario where you're gonna try to end somebody's livelihood because mm-hmm. of mistakes that they make, you're about to open up some floodgates, and now it as to what it, everybody can get exposed mm-hmm. because people are saying these things like their shadow doesn't exist. Right. It's just like, oh well, this person over here, this actress or this actor, he's perfect and he never did nothing like that. But how do you know exactly what he did? Yeah. Did you ever see that movie? Um, has uh, Matthew McConaughey in, and basically he's like, this is like before reality TV was big, but like he ended up being like a reality star where like literally just twenty four seven videotaped his life, and eventually got to the point where uh, he just he couldn't take it anymore because it broke up. Him and his girlfriend broke up and all this stuff, and and they were trying and they it was so popular that um it made him sign this contract for you know all kinds of money and he was trying to figure out how to get out of contract so what he did is he went on you know and he made an announcement on the on the reality show that anybody that had information about the people that worked at the at the TV station mm-hmm. to contact him and he would pay for the best story and he would announce it on TV hmm. so of course the you know they make it out so the the head guy at the TV station like had this big I forget what it was but this this secret he didn't want anybody to know mm-hmm. and somebody and somebody had called in and told him you know and then that's how he got it shut down because he was getting ready to uh, to announce what that secret mm-hmm. was so it's just you know everybody has dark secrets but I just saw this trailer for this movie and it's like about this town that goes crazy and like they go to war um, and, and it's because like somebody hacks like everybody in the town and this releases like their emails and their texts and oh, okay. pictures and stuff and like what it creates is like a war like there's people on the streets like shooting people and stuff off of this and I just saw the trailer because like today. they're mad because they're talking people trash are people. people are mad at the things that get exposed mm-hmm. in these things you know and that um, I think that well, of course, that doesn't necessarily... I don't think that something like that will happen. Yeah. I still think that there's a lot of people who are, right now, who are trying to act like they have no skeletons in their closet. Absolutely. Who, in time, uh, it'll be revealed that they got some skeletons themselves. And, you know, I just I feel like Yes, people need to be accountable for their actions. Yes, women have absolutely been uh, abused and not just physically, but like mentally and spiritually for a long time. Uh, of course, that's that, that, that's been happening. And yes, it needs to change. Uh, but we have to still remember that a person who makes a mistake still has to live a life and they still need to they hopefully grow. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully if you make a mistake in life, you can find another situation where you can grow and become better than that and possibly teach somebody to not fall into that same scenario. Um, 
I often I remember there was a time where, you know, people people think about like like racist people. Like they just some people just want racist people to just die. Like they just want them to just like not exist. Mm-hmm. It's like no, they 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 have an ignorance. And I don't think people should you shouldn't assassinate a person's life because of their ignorance because you're setting yourself up because we we ourselves are ignorant to something mm-hmm. and as soon as um, you know I don't want to live in a world where you the, the ultimate crime is ignorance right you know I, I hope that people can learn from their mistakes, continue on, not unscathed, because when stuff like that, things like, things like the comedian Louis C.K., I heard somebody say, or I didn't hear it, but I read it on Twitter, and they were like, well, that's the end of Louis C.K.'s career. I was like, no, it's not. It's not the end of his career. You really think he's not going to get booked somewhere else? Mm-hmm. You, in in three years, so much stuff is going to happen. Right. You're going to hardly remember the fact that this even happened. So no, it's not the end of his career. But why do you want it to be the end? Do you just want it to be the end because he made a mistake? Don't people make mistakes? Don't. Isn't that what you... I know as a human being, if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to make mistakes. 100%. If I'm going to do anything, I'm going to make a mistake. And the beauty of life comes in the fact that I get to wake up tomorrow and learn from that mistake and not make it again. But, you know, people now, they just want your whole life to just be over because you made a mistake. Oh, I think that part of the too is as great as the internet is. It's also that's part of the, you know, the downfall of it too. Because now we have all have access to everything everybody says, and then right away we want to be the person on Twitter that that has the the you know makes the message on Twitter that you know three thousand people like you know, mm-hmm. and they'll say whatever you whatever they think. It does they don't think about what they're saying and how it affects people, you know, mm-hmm. and. I mean, a lot of that. Keyboard warriors, you know? That saying's been going on for how long? And it's very true. That's real. They, they are there. And then, you know, there are some people in the trolls that really... Oh, yeah. They really do just get off on that kind of stuff without, you know, just arguing a point. I think that there's definitely people who are, who are addicted to the argument of so, like that you can find in social media. Yeah. You can find it and you can argue with this person and really probably what's at the heart of it is that you just don't really have enough communications with people. Well, yeah. This this has become your main communication with people arguing with some dude you've never met on the other side of the country. But it's scary that people are growing up that way. Oh, yeah. Because we're not, like, you know, not going outside and playing with the neighborhood and and that kind of stuff. We're We're afraid of our environment. We don't... It's too hot. It's too, too hot, hot out today. Now we're getting to this point where it's like people might people think sometimes that you know it's too dangerous. Yeah. People feel like, hey, I'm like one show 
one concert away from making a mistake in my life where I go somewhere and then it gets shot up. Yeah. Which is a weird reality to to the to the main populace because there's people who live in like hood situations that have always been dealing with that. And this is just this small time period where like all oh, the guns are out of control. Guns have been out of control. It's just about who was getting killed. Gun uh, Chicago's gun free zone. Yeah. They don't care about that. <laughs> Nobody cares about none of that. That's a perfect example of all that. He had in a gun free zone people die at astronomical one point two a day. Shot and killed. That's an astronomical pace. Shot and wounded is six and a half a day. In Chicago. Six people get and almost seven people getting shot every day. That's crazy. And people are saying, well, now we have a gun problem. No, we've been having right, gun problems. Yeah. But really, your gun problems is more or less a matter of economics. People stack up on guns, I think, predominantly to defend themselves from people who would want to hurt them or take their property. Right. And the reason why there's even people who want to take their property or anything is because there's this element of scarcity in the world and we keep running with this idea that we don't have enough for everybody and all this stuff. I don't believe that. I'm glad I don't believe that. I, I, they want to convince me that the water, that you don't have enough water for people. So you're talking about like if something would happen, either there would be a scarcity of food. I mean, right now they, 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 there's a there's a scarcity. Like, there's the element of scarcity. There's mm-hmm. the idea that we live in a world that cannot provide for the people, mm-hmm. and that's I think more so than that. We live in a world that doesn't want to provide for certain. No, yeah, I think that's the, the that's really the point. You got I, I, when I drive sometimes around on some of these back roads around here. I'm looking at all of these animals that are about to be slaughtered. I'm like, how many places is this going on in the world? Where there's just these factories of just death. Where you just, these well, things live here to get killed. It's not even, my dad works in a, in a, I don't know if he still works here, but he's retired and he works in a um, marketplace, you know, and the amount of food they throw away. Like he brings it home. Yeah. It, it, the amount like, of food oh, he throws sold. away because they they have to throw it away because they can't keep it, and it's just I mean he has a freezer full, and he could bring he could bring more home but he don't have the room. There, you know, then there has to there, there has to just be such a disconnect between the people who have excess food and the people who starve. Yeah. If there's anybody with excess food, the fact that somebody who is starving somewhere. That's a, just a complete lack of communication. We gotta figure out how to get those people have to be able to connect it somehow. Because I mean, it just doesn't make sense. He, there's, there's he no was way. donated to the food pantry for a while, yeah. you know. But then even that becomes somewhat difficult because it's you know the food pantry is kind of weird. Uh, you know, they're regulated to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know, regulations is kind. It's just, I mean, I understand why we need it in certain things, but sometimes it's just too much. When you start feeding people, it can become such a problem. Like, 
I always think about like what happened to the Black Panthers when they were at one point in time trying to say that their like free breakfast program was like one of the biggest threats to <laughs> to American security. The fact that these people were feeding people. And how did they justify that was a threat? What were they saying? There was they they I I think their entire point was that. I mean, there's what they said, and then there's what right. I actually kind of what how I took it was. Mm-hmm. You're feeding people who are not supposed to be getting fed, and you're and not only that, you're teaching them things because it did come with other things. They did pretty much teach you like that police weren't to be trusted, mm-hmm. and there was an entire program around this idea of we have to look out for ourselves because the police are killing us. Mm-hmm. And here we, you know, and if people, if anybody was looking at them sideways at, the, at that time, you can look at the, the decades that came after that and see that they were absolutely right. That that was happening. That there was, that there was this disproportionate murder, sometimes just harassment from the police on people of color. Mm-hmm. And you know, it here we are in 2018. I got it better. And it's the same situation. It's just on the news now. Yeah, it's and just it's, on the news. And now. they so, use it. They use it as a weapon. They use they, it as a. They use it now, and they're like, "Look at what's going on yeah. here. This is this is crazy as madness because it's driving ratings." But the reality is, this has been going on for a long time. It's been going on for. As long as there's been an overseer of a plantation, which is which is another KRS Oneism that I picked up because I remember the one song he he was just comparing the words overseer and officer, mm-hmm. and he just like he said it fast and then like it eventually it sounds like the same thing, you know, because this overseer you know he's riding around on a horse and he's making sure things are in line. He is really the policeman of the plantation. And so I think on some level, black people have that in their subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. But this is a this is a continuing situation of uh, if you do something wrong, somebody's coming to get you. And sometimes if you don't do anything wrong at all, somebody's coming could be coming to get you who may put you in a room, who might like you, who might, he, like he might lock you in a cage, but he also might kill you. I think with the idea of law enforcement and, the, and making it official, it would seem that, that that kind of thing would go away, but it but, can't. And it's part of the media, too, like I said this before, is that it puts everybody on edge. It puts the people getting pulled over on edge. It heightens that astronomically. Yeah. It heightens the, the the police pulling people over, even if they have no if they have good intentions. It's st- it puts them on edge. Yeah, absolutely. It puts everybody on edge, and then that creates a whole nother problem. And they only use those stories when they want to, because it happens every day. So why don't we have a news story about it every day? We don't. We have it when uh, you know we they want to distract us with from something else, or or like you said, there's. They need ratings or something. Who knows? But they use it when they feel like it, not when they should. The media in itself is a divisive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's 
it's meant to to play on the differing emotions of people. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things where I don't think that that's always what it was supposed to be. I feel like at some point mm-hmm. in time, people really wanted to inform people of what was going on in their world. But at some point in time, you know, you started learning about things that you would have had no concept of. Or something. Yeah. You know, like divisive because business. Put that dollar figure on our head. Yeah, you know, that's all you got, you know, that's all that's going on here. They they know that people are already divided. If you give them a little bit of a push, they might do something that you can it's fear. Report, a, report, about, like you can report about it again. I think it's fear. I think it's fear on their, from their standpoint because they realize uh, a group united, a, a you know the country united. There's 330 million of us. Imagine of us. Imagine us united. The power of that. That's that's fear talking. That's them being fearful of us. And I think that's part of it. That may be part of why it seems like it's to me it's getting worse. Where they're trying harder because they're more fearful of us because of now you can have a show and anybody can have put a, a show on YouTube. Anybody can do it. I mean, we're doing a podcast from my. From my room, you know, my yeah. family room. I mean, anybody can do it, and they ha- and people have voices now, and the freedom of speech thing comes up a lot now too. I noticed it comes up a lot more, mm-hmm. and they they are I think infesting the younger people and trying to get them to agree with uh, taking away freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. You know, I had conversation with one person, and you know, Alex Jones. They were like, well, Alex Jones was talking about um, Sandy Hook and how he thinks that was fake or whatever. And he's like, well, they shouldn't be allowed to talk about that. We can't have people talking. You know, that's hurt. that hurts the family members' feelings and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, you're right. You know, it's it does whatever you believe in, whether it's fake or not, it still brings up feelings for somebody. But there's an on-off switch. You don't like it, turn it off. Turn it off. You don't have to. And nobody listens to him. He won't be there. You don't have to. to (laughs) They're not going to have him on on doing all these things if he's not making money. And we forget that. I'm I'm completely against any real censoring of what people have to say. Because in reality... I think they let you know, let them let them talk, let them look foolish. I've heard people say things that I absolutely didn't agree with, but that doesn't mean that they didn't have the right to say it. Yes, absolutely. You have the right to say what you would, but like it is real. It does seem like there's like a crackdown on what people can say. It's a very slippery slope. Even that, like that guy we were talking about, like James Gunn, like I heard somebody say, like that's proof that that freedom of speech really doesn't exist. Yeah. Like it, you can say what you want, but it means what when saying things becomes a crime, that is always something that people should pay attention to. So I mean, if if you believe that. Alex Jones shouldn't be allowed to talk about that. And your from your perspective is that that happened, right? So let's say there's somebody, their perspective is they don't think that happened. 
So from that person's perspective, now they should say, well, anybody that talks about it, that it happened, should now also have their rights taken, right? Yeah. So it's it. So now it's both. It, 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 you can't have it both ways, yeah. you know. So okay, now YouTube has to shut down anybody that's talking about it in any sort of way, positive, negative, indifferent. That's ridiculous. It, and it's a slippery slope. It's now now it's total control of whatever's said. Yeah. You know, and next thing you know, okay, well, you know what? You no, know, just taking him off of YouTube's not enough. That guy should be in jail. Because he's hurting people's feelings or something. Yeah. That's where that'll be the next step. It's just little baby steps. And next thing you know, now we're in jail because we said something outrageous. Just turn it. It's not hard. It's got a power switch. Of, it's almost kind of like we're in times now that like the death of the comedian. Like the comedian. Uh, yeah. And that's one thing you know I could never get behind because comedians they they say the things that people want to say but are, are too scared to say. There's a lot of comedians who say a lot of crazy and vulgar things, mm-hmm. but I think that they said I think that they've always the time where it's been like where people have been free with what they said on stage. I thought that that was one of the greatest gifts that was ever given to this culture, the ability to really say something completely outlandish in front of people, you know, not get thrown in jail. Right. Because realistically, nobody wants to live in a world where you could say something and it be criminalized. And the way that we're doing things right now seems to be more in that vein. Like well, I think we're a step, a, a, a small step away. And if you keep promoting it, and we don't, we don't understand the gravity of promoting that, it's it's going to make it easy. Yeah. You know, I often think like the protesting. Right? We made we we almost criminalize protesting. Like people, we just show on 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 uh, the news. Uh, Antifa or these people running around in, in masks in black masks breaking build you know breaking windows of businesses and stuff I'm almost like ever wonder if like they just don't use they're just letting that happen and they're doing that on purpose so then a year from now they can say you know what we're going to take you're not allowed to protest anymore and this yeah. is why yeah, Be- and they justify it through that, even though it's probably a very small percentage of people that are protesting that way, because they're not showing the other 90% of the people that are protesting in a positive way, yeah. you know, and, and same thing with like Black Lives Matters is the same thing. They're not showing the people, they're showing it's the section that's protesting a certain way and not the positive They message. have to show the provocative part. Yeah. And, and it's just like, it's infuriating. I, I, I just get, I get so mad. And then he's like, what do you do, you know? Yeah, and that's the, the, that's the number one question. I think that that's where most of the hostility in society comes from. From the, the part of you that sees all of this stuff going on in the world and who feels relatively powerless to change yeah. it. Yeah, That That, I think, is the beginnings of most people's anger. I think society. that happens a lot. I think it happens all the time. People get, you just, what do you do? Yeah, nobody knows it. You know what? What? What do you do when you live in a a situation where you feel like really your your world is being controlled by criminals, and 
people who have no real regard for human life. You get mad, and then you take it out on the people around you. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, you know, the, the people around you get the brunt of that anger because you don't even know how to begin to approach the people who you really have the beef with. Right. You don't know how to really... Well, you can't approach them. You don't know. Yeah, they're unapproachable. Know, they're, they're unapproachable. Even the people in like militias, like they just they they just like at where they're at. Like they're just like training and stuff. Yeah. They don't know where to go. They don't know who to really attack. Where do you really attack? And realistically, I think the people in the militias should know that really that they're the, they're some of the most afraid people of revolution right. because they know. If somebody, if they, if all right, if you're just a militia somewhere, you have access to some weapon, but you can't take on an army. No, and like you, you, I'm sorry. You, I think there's a difference between like when you're a militia, and and you're, I mean, how many people you get? I mean, that all going to be on the same page of what... Because militia, all militias have different ideas of what, what they want to do. Yeah. So how you're going to get enough people to be on the same page where you're going to make an impact? Best case scenario, you're going to have... That's that one tank in there and just... You're gonna, <laughs> best, best case scenario, you're going to have like 80 drunk dudes yeah. just mad with like AR-15s shooting at some tank. That's gonna just annihilate everybody, right? That's and that's why they don't do anything because I think that they know that they know that they don't have the real the, people don't know how to approach this power. That's why approaching it militaristically Those, uh, is not the play. That's just not. It's, not gonna it's work. never gonna work. It's kind of like you know we know. It's kind of like if you know if you've ever like wrestled somebody. And it's like they put you in a position, and you want you really want to do something. They got you, that's, and that's that's what they got. They have the people militaristically. The it's, people cannot fight them militaristically. It's like it's like if an MMA fighter, right? A guy that's like thirty years old. Now he's been doing MMA for fifteen years. He's gone to the best, like whatever jujitsu guys. All he knows, all the holds, all the everything. Yeah. And you're a sixteen year old kid. Yeah. And you're trying to you're trying to fight that guy. You just don't. And you, all you've done is fist fighting. You're gonna get your. You're gonna be yeah. done in ten seconds. So I'm the experience. To deal with something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, the question becomes, how do you even approach this? And I think that some people ask that their entire lives. Some people do get to a point where they really want to try to attack the status quo through peaceful, like, uh, protests and Mm -hmm. demonstrations. But I think we live in a time now that is still weary of that. Because we're like... Okay, yeah, you went down there, you told him you weren't happy, and then you turned around and went home. And the same thing was going on after you left. Like uh, I said, that was going on before you Like went. I said, it's always easy to point out the problems. The hardest is the solutions. Like, how do we, how do we, what do we do? What, how do we make change? And I, I don't know that we can make change in such a severe level that it would affect the they, right? 
you know, I think we try, we have to make change at the level we're at where we can make change for others and for ourselves. And I think so, that's hard to, for a person, you know, for somebody that says, what do you do? And it's like, it's like a big thing. It's hard to like get to that point where you say, okay, what can I do? Even though it's not a significant thing, at least it's something. I, I heard somebody say that. We we put the the vase outside of us. We put them in a place where uh, we no longer include them really as a part of us, and that the only way to really remedy this situation is to pull them back into the like the human fold. Mm-hmm. Because they've seemed to separate themselves to a point where they just don't care. They're not looking at. They're not. They dehumanize the mass, uh, like the masses mm-hmm. of the population. And uh, I mean, in reality, I think that might be one of the only ways that it's even possible. Because if you if you just keep telling something that is more powerful than you, that it's your enemy. It's going to believe that, and then it's going to treat you accordingly. But the problem is that, you know, we never really, we don't know these people. Right. We don't know the people who craft society. We don't know them. We, we you know, there's some guy, some well, social engineer conspiracy thinks it's like the Rothschilds and the... Um... Rockefellers. And it could be all those people. And like the people that started the banks and that kind of stuff and George Soros and all these kind of people. And the truth of the matter is it could be all of them. Right. But if there's a a lack of communication, if there's a lack of um, empathy, uh, then things continue the way that they are. They continue, they'll continue to graft the world uh, the way that they want, and then people will just continuously have this strife between them and the people who they see as their oppressors. So when you think of, so let's say, let's take it that lives in Baltimore, that lives in poverty, do, they, do you think they think of like a Rockefeller, or do you think they think of like the middle class guy or somebody like that is like, you know what I mean? Like, that's their, their day. You know what I mean? Like, because they don't have any empathy for them. Yeah. They don't have any, you know, they're not, they don't care what's going on in Baltimore. You know what I mean? Like, what do you think the scope is? Like, like, it's almost, I mean, I don't know. Who they would, yeah, who, who they would demonize. Who yeah. would they say is responsible for their reality. I think a lot of them, a lot of them probably, you know, they can't get past the police. Yeah, a lot of them think the police are the people who are most directly um, continuing. I I just don't see that getting any better because I'm driving around Baltimore and the the people I see that have the the police the uniforms on are like freshly graduated college white students. Yeah, and I don't know how you police a community with that scenario. I think that. Uh, it, when people want to start getting real about approaching the problem of unarmed people of color getting shot by the police and stuff, 
you're gonna have to eventually realize that you have to. These people have to come from these places. Yes, absolutely. Like you, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna police there, you, you, you need to be comfortable around the people. You gotta be able to work in the community with, not through violence, but with them. Yeah, and, and you ha- like, there's a different situation with a dude who, whose family lives, or you know, who has connections with those neighborhoods. Because in reality, that police officer, out of fear for what could happen to his family, uh, you know, has to act accordingly. You can't yeah. just go around slapping everybody. You can't go slapping some little girl, or yeah. you can't go. You can't shoot somebody in the in the back and just go all. You know, go home and be completely removed from it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 a. It's the only way, well, not the only way, but it's definitely it's one of the of only ways yeah. that you can ever try to remedy that situation. Because as long as you have impoverished people, you will have people who are weary of the police. If you had an idea of the cops working with the communities as opposed to patrolling the community, yeah. that's, a different, that's a different statement. That's a different way, and if you use that statement as a policing, a way of doing the policing, that's a, they're going to go away at it a different way. The Panthers looked at the police as an invading force because there were people who weren't from their neighborhood coming in there and act, almost acting as terrorists, like mm-hmm. doing things that if you do something to somebody's mother, if you do something to somebody's sister, you're going to create an adversary in the people who know them and love them. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have police doing things that um, border on the criminal, and sometimes they're just outrightly criminal. Right. Um, when you have that situation, you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have people in a, in a resistance. You're gonna have a resistance to that because people aren't gonna stand by and just let the police do. Whatever yeah, they want, run ramshot across everything. You can't just. This isn't the Wild West. You don't get to play, uh, like the sheriff of the town. They're just a, they end up being a gang with a badge. Yeah, well, that's really all it is at the end of the day. I think it's a gang. It's yeah, it's, it's they look out for corporate interests. So, if you told. If if police were people who were ordered to go and get the people who are probably responsible for the greatest deals of criminality, it would ne- it would never be people in the street. It would no. always be people <laughs> who were in some sort of white collar uh, situation with a tie on somewhere with a suit. You know, think about if you put it on a number on it, how many pharmaceutical company how many people do they kill right with their with their with their opioid crap and whatever else they're doing you know it's 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 gonna be a bigger number because it's more widespread and it's just and they have money and they have power and they have lobbyists and they have you know it's it's cartel it's like a cartel it is it's a cartel It, it is but they all you have to do is uh, a system that sees value in you 
And then they can change your image. They can change what it is that you do. And yeah. they, they can say, oh, well, this is the leading pharmaceutical company. And they yeah. help uh, many people through horrible pain and stuff. Yeah. And that's that's how it works. You just rebrand rebrand something that on the opposite end you would criminalize. And, and then they, they give you a list of 20 side effects. And then if you get one of them, you can't even sue them. Yeah, no, they'll tell you. They're like, look, we told you that your arm might fall off. Yeah. And when it did, that's not our fault. We told you. Yeah. We told you uh, right away there's some side effects. Well, I mean, the banking system's no better. Uh, you know, 2008, they were, they were doing so many illegal things in the banking system. And nobody ever went to jail. People yeah. lost their houses. Like I said, if if you're not gonna break down his doors, this person who swindled people out of millions and millions of dollars, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not going and breaking his door down and treating him like he's the scum of the earth, don't don't do that to somebody who who, who has far less impact. And act like you did something. That's nobody had, no, no, nobody ever went to jail for those mortgage, all that mortgage crap. And there is so much, so many things that went on. Everybody, should, you should you ever see that movie, The Big Short? I had to. I, had, I saw like half of it. I gotta finish. You it. gotta finish it. I mean, it's and you know, who knows how much truth is in there? Because you know they, you of know, course they, it's dramatized. It, but there's a lot of truth in that. And it's just a fraction of what really went on. We can, you know, you'll never know what really went on, but it's just a fraction. And people are getting kicked out of their homes. And, you know, these bankers just, it it doesn't, it didn't matter. And they don't even, they don't talk about the, there's been big banks like Goldman Sachs, like that, that size banks that have been busted. And all they do is they pay fines. They've been busted for, laundering money for the drug cartels is proven and they just get it they get a billion dollar fine or they get a hundred million dollar fine yeah, and they fine. they pay it and they go about their business nobody gets fired yeah, nobody goes to no, jail they that money aside they know it's coming yeah like, well, you know which is almost kind of like a bribe like asking somebody for to pay a fine is sort of like a bribe absolutely you know it's like Listen, all right, you, I don't want real legal things. I don't want people going to jail. So give us this amount of money and uh, we're, we're, we're cool. So where's the fine money going? Because it's not going to help help the, 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 the poor. Well, you know, where's nothing, the... Nothing's going to help the poor. Nobody <laughs> here wants to help the poor. They it, just, they... It's just ridiculous, the, the amount of corruption... That's why, like, I wonder how do we ever, I'm on the part where, how do you fix it? It's from top to bottom, it's at local level, it's, it's, I don't know, I just don't know. I Nobody, get... no, I, I think that that's like the biggest, uh, the biggest question going on here is, we've seen that we've made a real mess of things, yeah. and we don't really know what to do to fix it. And we don't even know if we're the people to fix it. Right. Like, the people themselves are still kind of, you know, in the, have this messiah complex. Absolutely. They think that there's going to be some politician or somebody who comes along 
and they, they saves all of us. And that's how you get the guy that's there now. Yeah, because they think they, he's gonna save it. And I understand how it happened. I get it. Yeah, you know, I, I want to get it. First of all, there was a lot of people that didn't vote the other way. Well, yeah. And you know me. Then there's people like me. I ain't even vote. Nope, me so, either. Um, you know, I understand how it happened, but people were looking for change. Yeah. You know, like I'm not mad at people who were legitimately no. just looking for a change because they thought, hey, look, there's this guy and he's like not a politician and that's from a, a like a I conspiracy standpoint, it was for me it was kinda I I don't vote. There was an excitement. It was kinda like the things he was saying, even like you know you know the politicians are gonna say certain things to to get pe- certain group of people on their side. But he even said different like he even went further with it. You know, he would he would go into the kind of conspiracy stuff. You he know? would. He would acknowledge it. And yeah. He got a lot of conspiracy theorists on his side. I thought that that was part of who he was absolutely catering yeah, to. Yeah, I think to so, To that too. demographic. And then to have Alex Jones, like, on his side. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, you got the king of conspiracy right. theories. Saying that you're the one. Well, and I think that's, sh- but I think that shows something though. I think that shows the, the fear and the power of the alternative media. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they, they recognize that it's a big deal now, and they recognize that anybody can just start a channel and and start talking about stuff. And it, so it shows a little fear for them, but yeah. it also shows the strength. And that's what I'm talking about: strength in numbers. Because when we start doing things where we're talking out and, you know, no, like you said, like we both said, nope, not everybody has it right. Nobody has it exactly right. No. But the more that we strive for the answers, the closer, the faster we'll get to it. And we may never get to it, but at least we're trying. We're trying. And that's the thing. That's what I find the most hope in. You know? yeah. I, find, I find hope in the fact that while we're not particularly predisposed to 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 seek unity with people um sometimes when you really express some some division when you you know the the lesson you learn can bring you to a place of unity mm-hmm. you you know once you see you know, that, hey, this guy over here who's a liberal or this guy's a conservative, those things really hardly, like, they don't, they don't really come up, mm-hmm. really, like, not to say, of course, you'll have people in in the space and they might talk about those things, but there's a level below that in which there's a connection of, we're just two people trying to survive here. You know, there's that. And once people get to that point, I could care less about your political affiliation. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you voted a certain way, you vote for some people. I know people voted for Trump. I know people, you know, I know on the opposite end, you know, people who voted for Obama and there's probably people talking bad about him. You know, there's whatever choice you make in life, there's going to be somebody who doesn't like it. Right. That's just the reality of it. And 
uh, only when that person can have enough uh, insight to kind of uh, realize that you you shouldn't you know you shouldn't write somebody off just because they have a differing viewpoint of life yeah that's not but that's that that comes with age and experience yeah you know little kids are good at it because they haven't really been as indoctrinated on who they should not like right they don't really get into those things as much because they're still a blank page a little bit yeah they're still blank they haven't you know they haven't they may not have a favorite football team. They may not right. have a religion. They don't have a political affiliation. Nobody's written on that page you know. of what they should be. Yeah, you know, little kid, little boy or something, he might, he might try to dress up in some girl clothes or something, you know. He, yeah. he hasn't been so thoroughly planted on a side. And that's that's what happens. That through time and the acculturation, you you just pick up um, ideas of who you're supposed to be, and then once you start to kind of believe in the things that you are, if you don't check it, it can become a supremacy mm-hmm. very quickly because now you're like, oh well, I, this, I'm all I, you know. I have a particular color skin. And I find value in that. And because of that, anything that would threaten that that theory of me and my race being supreme, um, anything that would threaten that has to be some sort of uh, lie or some sort of, you know, deception. And that's, you know, that's the kind of, that's how it works. That's how it works with... Uh, with everything, every every little attribute of you that could be shown to have an opposite, all of those attributes, at, at, at some point in time, you're going to come across the fact that, or well, hopefully you get to the idea that you, yes, you can be different and your differences don't have to be more meaningful than other people's differences. Mm-hmm. And then... I think, and only then, are you really prepared to see the sameness in yourself and, and other things? You just get entrenched. Yeah. Right? You, you just get entrenched, especially now, and in, in this idea that no matter what evidence or no matter what somebody says, you, there's no way they're right. Yeah. And I think it's 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 heightened right now by by the political situation and and at some point hopefully that changes but we have to get back to a point where it's less about them and more more significant about what we do and and just try and make a difference i always say is the 10 percent of us would try and make a difference 330 million people in the country so 3.3 million people just tried to make a difference. And it's not a big difference, but just like, I don't know. I think... Just like opening doors for people. Like, just something, yeah. you know? You don't know what that person behind you is, is their day's like. And somebody just opened the door for them. And it's like, it, it made, gave them a different outlook for the day. Yeah, yeah. 
doing those kinds of things, um, the outward types of things, you know, things that how you affect the world, I think that those are very important things. And I think before that, you have to work on yourself. Yeah. You have to be able to, you know, for anybody listening, you know, working on yourself is, is not an easy thing. Because it make it makes you confront certain things about yourself that you might not want to see, but one thing that I remember that really helped me uh, to really uh, start to see uh, the identities that I had taken on over time is you know I just just write on a piece of paper just just think about all the different divisions that make you up you know you. you you're born into the world. You're, you're, you know, you're first. You're a human, so that's the first separation. You're no longer anything else, and you're going to be inclined to believe that humans are more important. Then you're maybe born a male, and because of that, you're going to be living in the world or in this world and in this culture as a male, you know, and that goes on down the line, you know, to the your eye color, skin color, to things like your religion and um, later politics and uh, where you live at and how much money you grew up around. And once you start to really look at those different parts of your identity, I think it gives you a clue as to the ways in which you might be prejudiced. Because it's, I don't necessarily know if it's human nature, but it seems to be some some sort of nature that makes a person want to, uh, want to substantiate the fact that they are, that there's nothing wrong with them. That, you know, or, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I have this eye color, so that means people with this eye color are the best. And it's a very simple thing, but those kinds of things, um, they are the prejudice that we we have to be mindful of. And without our knowledge of those prejudices inside of ourselves, we can't really uh, grow. It, it 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 just it just puts a, a a limiter on us, and it limits our experiences, and it limits our uh, connections with other people, and not just even other people, but um, other life. I can't imagine having conversations with somebody that lives that lives a similar life to me every day, or and never having conversations with somebody that has lives a completely different life. That would be so. Uh, uninspiring not uninspiring but just so boring yeah who you wants know. to talk to a different version of themselves also? yeah just i, I wanted... guess somebody who believes themselves to be somewhat supreme you know? i guess yeah i, I, I mean... guess if you think well i got it right and if this person thinks like me then i know we both got it right mm-hmm. And it's got to be a small group, though. Got to be a small group, <laughs> and I think for a lot of people, hopefully it is. I think for for a lot of people who find themselves kind of riddled with a lot of, um, with a lot of prejudice, you have to really only talk to a small group of people. 
you can't be talking to yeah. uh, large groups of people because once you go amongst people, and you're going to hear people come from a variety of different places in life. Yeah. I, I, I love having conversations with people that of uh, somebody I don't know or s- somebody that's come from somewhere I, I, I've never been or or just know, has knowledge of something that I've never heard of or, or anything because it's, really- it's just interesting and it's just you want to learn. And the minute that stops happening for me, I know it's over. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> like, just chalk me up. I'm done. I'm ready to go. That's really why I like documentaries because they really let you get this perspective on some sometimes people who live so differently than you or the people who are around you. They such a big difference. Yeah, such a big difference in um, their philosophy and mm-hmm. the, how they look at life. Um, and it can be extremely helpful. Like I remember on the the one documentary I watched, like really seeing the um, like a guy who was like a rickshaw driver, and it, he lived in India. He like lived in a dirt floor, and he still said he was happy though. Still said he was happy because he said he had the people he loved around him. And, you know, times where bills and things have gotten kind of tight and things like that, that I think the experience of watching that and really, like, humanizing him, it really helped me because it made me understand, hey, yeah, you might might be sort of tight right now. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're nowhere near this guy. It gives you a perspective. It gives you this perspective. It's like, I have a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. I don't stand on dirt. Mm-hmm. There's not a fire in the middle of a room and like yeah. my family member's packed in a hut. That's yeah, not living like 18 people in a yeah. one-bedroom apartment or That's something. That's not what's happening. Yeah. So, so the entire idea of well, what, is, what is being broke? Yeah. It's a very uh, that's a that's a perceptual thing, you know. Because to that dude, he's like, look at what you have. You know, if he came to my place, he'd be like, look at what you have. Yeah. Look at the things you do have. And as soon as I think about that, what it does is it shifts me into a place of gratitude, where now I can concentrate on the things that I do have and not the things that I don't. You can never feel good concentrating on the things that you don't have. Absolutely. You just you just you feel inadequate. You feel like, well, I should I should have this and that. It's like that's not great. That's just right. not that's just not a grateful place to be at. And uh like I said, I think documentaries and then just human experiences and being able to talk to different kinds of people. It puts you Ultimately, I think in a place of uh, gratefulness, because sometimes, you know, you ever hear somebody tell you a story and like they won't think anything of it, but they'll tell you some like wild thing that happened to them. You're like, man, like, I don't even know how you're still like alive. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, it's. And then, you know, later on, if if you think about it and you reflect on it, you're like, man, like, I got to be grateful for where I'm at. Because something like that could have happened to me. Yeah. Or something like that. And that's, like I said, that's all about, 
that's gratefulness is is how you begin to pull things in to yourself and to actually find a, a love and an appreciation for things that um that are outside of you you know just be grateful for it that's hard to do it's hard to be grateful in a place that first of all is always trying to divide you right you know it's always trying to make you feel inadequate and uh, and we have an idea of consuming things yeah you know it's and it's always in your face kind of pushing to consume things so it's kind of hard sometimes and you know gratefulness is just a perspective it's, it is. it's a perspective that anybody it's not i mean anybody can it's not hard to be grateful to me it's, i don't not, think yeah you know, it's not hard to be grateful but it's hard to find the space where you can be yeah. if 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 you're living a life where uh you know you you don't have time for you you don't have time to to to, to actually cultivate that gratefulness mm-hmm. you know time time it it does take it does take time to 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 shift how you're seeing the world and uh a lot of people i think find that they don't either they don't have the time or they're not willing to give themselves the time to 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 be mindful and to to have a a better understanding of the current situation a you know a perspective that won't lead you to a panic yeah you know, that's that's I think when it comes to gratefulness, we don't have to look far. I mean, we don't have to look to other countries. We have plenty of places here that that we can be grateful that we live in the situations we do. Yeah. Uh, the city I live in, I'm very grateful for because I visit a place every every week that you know they would they would give a lot to live in the place we live in. They would, they would you know, they they would love it and. Mm-hmm. And, to raise their children in a in a yeah. place so they, you know, have the schoolings, the education that we have. Uh, I almost I some find myself feeling guilty, like of the schooling that we get. I mean, I just like my kid brings a laptop home from school. Yeah, that's a different situation. Though. You know, like is I I feel guilty, and I, I don't, you know you don't know like, how how to deal with that sometimes but you know i see reports of schools not having heat and my kid or or a teacher on the side of the road trying to to collect money for textbooks and my kid's coming home with a a laptop i'm kind of thinking i don't know how to think about that well you know it's just proof that they don't generally society cares about certain people more so than others and i think individually that's what that's the thing that has to be battled. That has to, you know, we have to fight the idea that there are people who mean things who, who, or who mean more than other people. Yeah. I mean, as long as we have that, it, that that is the imbalance here. The imbalance is that some people are worth it and some people aren't. And in a world like ours, um, that plays out in numerous different ways that end up actually, you know, I think when you look at the divisions of people, that's where it plays itself out. 
the, that's the imbalance. The imbalance is um, if men are no good, then women are all good. Right. And vice versa. Right. You know, and, uh, if black people are all good, then white people are all bad. Right. And vice versa. So that plays itself out all the time. And it's all due to the illusion that somehow some something or someone is more uh, uh, is worth more than somebody else. Yeah. So I think um, I don't know. I think that that might be a pretty good place to, yeah, to wrap sure. it up. Yeah. Um, if you're listening, uh, you know, have these conversations. Don't be afraid of these conversations with the people in your life. Um, do the self work. Like I said, the, the, it's hard to change another person when you still got to do the work yourself. So, you know, I know there's a lot of people. I know me and Rob aren't the only two people in the world who are still trying to figure out how to help the world yeah. and change the world. But, uh, you know, start with the, start with the person in the mirror. Start if you're not a joyful person, it's hard to bring joy to somebody yeah, else. Yeah, start with the person in the mirror, you know. Um, I want to thank y'all for listening again. Uh, yep, thank hopefully you. we'll, uh, well, we'll be back. We'll be back next week. Uh, might have a guest. We're still, we're still trying to hammer that out. But, uh, like I said, thanks. Thanks again for, for, for checking us out and, uh, we'll see you next week. All right, later.